For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 332 of This Old Marketing for Thursday, July 14th, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who was nominated for exactly the same number of Emmy Awards as Yellowstone, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? I didn't realize this. Did they get shut out? They are snubbed. Oh. They were snubbed. It's, it, it is quite the controversy, uh, as uh, the British folk might say. Yes. Is that because they're blackballing uh, Kevin Costner? Is that... Is it? It, I, I don't know what it is, uh, to be honest. I, 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 it's very strange to me that it got zero Emmy nominations. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's a great show. I've not watched um, it. I've heard people rave about it, but I know that there's Yellowstone with, in the series with Costner, and I know there's the prequel with Sam Elliott, right? That, that, that just came out? Uh, yes, which was not that good, I have to say. Oh, okay. I have to say that the prequel was... It felt a little forced, and it's, you know, I think we talked about this even on the show. The, the prequel felt a little forced. Sam Elliott is always, I mean, he's Sam Elliott, right? I mean, he's just great. Um, but Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, it was really hard to suspend my disbelief, right? It was really hard to get beyond the fact that I'm watching Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. You know, they just, I mean, and it's not their performance necessarily. It's just that they just didn't become characters they sort of it was like oh there's tim mcgraw and faith hill you know it's like every time i would see them i would it was and you know the writing was good but not nearly as good as it is on uh on yellowstone even though it's the same people pretty much um but yellowstone was i mean all seasons of it i mean you what is there? Have how many to, four seasons something like that right uh, i believe there's four three or four Four, I believe. Yes. Is believe it worth? It, is it really four. worth? See, you know that I don't like to invest myself into series because of the time. It, there's a lot of really good, as we've talked about. The golden age of television is right now. There's amazing series that are going. But That's I right. don't want to. So I've already invested myself in Stranger Things, which is done. Like okay, and I'll do. Are you done? I'm are done. You with done that. with it? Yes, absolutely. Outside yeah. of the fact that season four, I thought should have been edited a little bit more. I didn't think it had yeah. to be uh, seventy-two hours quite finished worth it yet, but yeah, uh, but great show, and we'll talk a little bit about it later in the in the show, I believe. Uh, Netflix, okay, but yeah, yeah, uh, that one I do the Marvel series. I did Obi Wan. I like the Mandalorian. Obi Wan was great. Mandalorian was great. I have not watched Ms. Marvel. I've not I have watched not... Ms. Marvel. No, I, for yeah. some reason, I just didn't. Just yeah, haven't, didn't appeal just to haven't me. gotten yeah. into it. I did yeah. go see with the fam uh, the new Thor movie. Oh, how was that? It <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> you know the first two where th- it, it was not a comedy, right? It was Thor. It was the story of Thor, uh, and and he was very much. Well, Ragnarok was a com- Ragnarok was a well, comedy. But yeah, but all I'm saying is it's going That's the that third direction. One. That's the third. So one. Thor, I thought the first one was very serious. It wasn't. He never played a buffoon. Yes. Well, it's, now he sort of no, no, plays it's classic. Yeah, he sort of plays a buffoon. It's it's yeah. idiocracy. It's like Marvel's version of idiocracy. Is is that series? It's nuts. You're just shaking your head. You're like, what? How did that happen? What's the timeline? Like, who's doing like? And then <laughs> I'm just I'm not gonna give anything away, but Russell Crowe yeah. plays Zeus. And first of all, Russell Crowe is like three hundred pounds in this movie. He's Okay. He's so I don't know if they asked him to gain the weight for the part. And then he speaks with I guess it's supposed to be a Greek accent, but it sounds Italian to me. <laughs> so you you got a you got <laughs> a three hundred nice. pound Russell Crowe with an Italian Greek accent. And it's hard. Oh it's hard. Hard to watch. He sounds a little bit like Mario from uh, yes. Donkey Kong or something. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. like Mario and Luigi. Yeah. That's sad. But oh dear. Uh, I mean, if you want it, it's a it's a decent popcorn movie. Uh, but it's Ragnarok was fun. I Ragnarok. I, I enjoyed Ragnarok very much, even though it was very lighthearted. 
Well, you you have to go into this. This is this does not uh, further <clears throat> the Marvel universe, in my opinion, in any way. It right. just is a lot of laughs, and uh, yeah, it is. Just uh, keep the expectations low. When you it was okay. it was no Top Gun yeah. Maverick. You know, it's no okay. Well, <laughs> it's yeah. no serious. There you docudrama like Maverick was very realistic well to answer your ultimate question there uh, yes I would say going in I mean look it's as I've said it's the cowboy version of the Sopranos and so if if you like that kind of tone um, and you enjoy sort of the western genre uh, it's a great show. I mean, it's a great show. I, I really, really liked it. But you have to be, you know, it's violent. It's got, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's very much about a crime family, really, more than anything else. And so it, it's, you have to sort of be in the mood for that. If you like that kind of idea, I think you'd love the show. The only thing that I was, and I, I watched episode one of, have you heard of The Bear on Hulu? Have you heard of this? I have not. It actually got a big it got a big big coverage in New York Times. I was recommended two of my close friends I'm sorry, I have other friends besides you, Robert, but two of my close friends recommended the bear almost simultaneously. And it's it's about a a restaurant owner in Chicago. And it's and I watched the first episode, thirty minutes. It's crazy. Uh it's it's it's, it almost made me want to watch the second one, which is saying something for a series. But anyways, that's and I like <laughs> right. and I like any kind of restaurant movie. I mean, my, as you know, my my parents used to own a restaurant. I love the inner workings of that and how that how that goes. Chef is one of my favorite movies of all time. Is it like that? Is no, show like this that? is it's it's so fast moving and it's the language is incredibly foul. So I mean, if you have kids around, you can't do it. But it's right. Right. It, it from what I could gather, and I'm not giving anything away, but the the main character w- used to be this renowned chef, and his brother passed away, and his brother owned this sandwich shop in Chicago, and and you don't know all the details yet, but for some reason he had to come back, and now he's trying to resurrect this sandwich shop in Chicago, and he's got no money, and he's trading uh, he's trading everything he owns just to get meat to to sell for the day. And it just goes through him trying to figure this thing out. And the staff is rebelling against him because they're like, this is not the way your brother did it. And he's like, well, the brother didn't leave the restaurant to you, left it to me. So get out of my way. And uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's, I've, I've written it down. I will give it a shot. Do you have Hulu? I do. Yeah. We have, we have my in, in in our household we have hashtag all the streaming services. It's like it, it's you know yeah because you have Paramount, you have Hulu, you have, uh, got it all. Yeah, you got all HBO the- Max. We got Disney. We got Apple. It's 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 a it's a thing. Yeah, for sure. How how long do you think that's gonna last? Not just with you. I'm just with people. Are we gonna have some consolidation here? Oh, for sure. Right? It's got to happen. Absolutely, yes. We're going to, yeah, absolutely. There will be some consolidation. Like, I would imagine, like, I yeah. could see, well, Paramount Plus. I mean, they've got they've, they've got the advantage of taking their movies and going direct, similar to what Disney has. But right. I could see HBO And they've got Max. hit shows like Star Trek. They've got, you know, they've got, they've got franchises, yes, right? they have good, you know? they have good, fran- I mean, the same thing, the franchises make it. I mean, n- n- yeah, I never really, it. when I was reading this article that we'll cover today for Netflix, I forgot all the amazing franchises that Netflix has had that they, you know, between Ozark and Umbrella Academy and Stranger Things and I guess Squid Games, if they do another one, which I'm assuming they will. Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, absolutely. Squid Games, by the way, cleaned up at uh, the Emmys. So are you you're the I didn't even know this was news. You I'm so I'm so happy you still cover like the main awards. Because nobody else does. <laughs> well, I live in Hollywood, so what are you going to do? I mean, I, I, I pay attention. Is it to that still stuff. a big deal in Hollywood? Like, well, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, it's still a big deal in the world of TV and film and streaming. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a big deal. You know, I don't know. You know, these days because 
so many of the nominees and we've covered this ad nauseum. It seems like once a year we cover this, um, how, you know, how the major television networks and traditional studios have been in eclipsed by the tech companies, you know, the Netflixes, the Amazons, Apple, et cetera. How many of those are, you know, Jeff Bezos is now winning, you know, Oscars and, you know, Apple TV and Amazon and, Netflix are winning Emmy awards. It's like it's a little. Remember, it's a little. Remember weird. when we used to talk about that? We called that. This is like in like seventeen and eighteen. Oh when we God, were, yes, absolutely. I don't remember yeah. what it was around, but I think we were making predictions, and we said, in you know five years, the majority of Emmy and Oscar winner, winners will come from streaming services, and it that's was right. like a crazy, yeah. crazy prediction at the time. And now you're like, yeah. oh yeah, of course, of course they are. Of course they yeah. are because absolutely. they have all the monies. They <laughs> have. Hashtag, right. Yes. Or they spent all the monies. <laughs> we'll see if they can continue spending all the monies. Um, that's well, that's, that's and again coming to an end. And again, that's why we're going to need consolidation because you can't spend whatever. I, I, I forgot. I, I listened to that Prof G's show uh, episode where he talked about something like there's $100 billion of content being created per year by that's these right. streaming services. Yep. And there's no way they can make their money back. Combined, like some, right, something. it's like a hundred dollars for every subscriber, it, right? It's just it, the math doesn't work. Just doesn't work. Yeah, so. it doesn't work. Well, speaking of doesn't work, should we get to our show because we're going to talk about a lot of things that aren't working, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> including this show, <laughs> including this exactly. show. Exactly, I you like know? this. Yes, that's a good segue. Yeah. It's a good segue. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Uh, we are going to talk about Elon and Twitter, of course, because hashtag we have to. Um, and there's some interesting developments in that story, uh, which is even changing as we speak, I suppose. We'll also talk about Spotify. They've acquired the audio game Hurdle. Uh, but are they doing okay with this whole podcast thing? We'll talk a little bit about the status of Spotify at the moment. Um, we'll talk about Clubhouse, of course, because I get to gloat a little more. But maybe it's not as dead as we think it it's is. It's only mostly uh, and dead. Only mostly dead, uh, says uh, Miracle Max. Um, and then, if if time, we'll talk about Netflix and their foray, perhaps, into theme parks, um, which would basically provide Joe a new poster on his wall instead of the Disney thing. He could put up the Netflix thing. Um, I'm going to rave a little bit about uh, our friends at NASA. And then also, I'm going to rave a little bit about Netflix's choice uh, with partnering with Microsoft for their new ad-supported tier. Uh, and uh, Joe is going to have some commentary on a podcast channel strategy. So you can that that'll be fun to stay tuned for. Um, okay, <laughs> you sound so excited about that. It's very sure, exciting. People want to like actually listen to that. If you want to, if you, if you actually right. care, <laughs> you know about marketing. You're yeah. Uh, otherwise, at the 50 minute mark, you can turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not sure. It could be 50. It could be 60. It could be 40. That's what we it, just keep. It could keep, be anywhere. We keep our listeners guessing. We really don't know how that's long right. we're going to go. We, we don't know. And that's the truth, folks. We really have no idea. It's kind of up to you. What we're doing. You know, it's, I mean, yeah. it's whenever you feel like going into rants and raves. Because you could literally just keep going. And what am I going to say? Hey, are we going to end the show at some point? I'm hungry. I'd like to have lunch. No. You just do your thing. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Really, the the show sort of bends around my every whim. So that's that's that's, that's true. That's, I'm ju I'm just here to to give you a break, and so you can take you know. Sip, you could just put sip, a period sip. after that. I'm just here. I'm, you just, just you here. can just stop yes. there. Just I'm just here. I'm just here. It's <laughs> just so you can have you know your 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 tequila or whatever you're drinking on the side. So it, Ooh, it doesn't. That sounds good right now. Morning yeah. tequila. Um, a morning. Uh, I would imagine be. an anejo yeah, it could be would one of those days. Morning, your morning choice, not a reposado. It could be a nice blanco with orange juice. It could get the day going well. Ooh. You never. But know. you're not a blanco fan. Right. But I could see that in the morning. But whatever. Yeah, yeah it's light. It's a it's a light way. It's a light way to start light, your yeah, drunk. Good for good for eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Yes. Good for day drinking. Yes. Yes. All right, let's move on to our first story here. And it is, of course, our friend Elon Musk. Um, and I think it is safe to say he's our friend now. Oh, yes. Uh, he, Twitter has now decided he's going to sue 
uh, Elon Musk. I don't know why I just referred to Twitter as he, but 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 they have decided to sue Elon Musk. Says he can't quote trash the company and walk away. Says Ars Technica, which is the story that we'll link to in the show notes, of course. And it opens up by saying Twitter filed its expected lawsuit against Elon Musk on Tuesday, demanding that he complete the forty-four billion dollar purchase of the social network. As the quote says. Musk refuses to honor his obligations to Twitter and its stockholders because the deal he signed no longer serves his personal interest, the lawsuit said. Having mounted a public spectacle to put Twitter in play and having proposed and then signed a seller-friendly merger agreement, Musk apparently believes that he, unlike every other party subject to Delaware contract law, is free to change his mind, trash the company, disrupt its operations, destroy stockholder value, and walk away. So... (laughs) I guess that's a no. <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> what are you a... trying to tell me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you, can you be a little bit more specific? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so the article goes on to talk about a little more details of the uh, the lawsuit and and much more hyperbole from both sides. Uh, where so where are we in this sort of soap opera that we started earlier this year, and how do you think all this ends? Well, first of all, we we pretty much knew this was coming right from the beginning. I thought that we, I can't remember which episode it was, but I didn't think it was going to go through ever. Uh, somebody's going to catch me on that because maybe at some point I said, oh, maybe it will go through. But uh, I, I really, I supremely hope that Musk has to repay from what I'm gathering should be about 17, 18 billion dollars between the difference um, what he offered, which was $44 billion for the company and what it's worth now, which I think, if I'm looking at this correctly, is $27 billion, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he he needs to pay the difference. And I I know that Elon likes to live by his own rules, but this is ridiculous because- That would be a hell of a new business model, right? <laughs> How, how do you for for Twitter? That's, a, that's more revenue than they've made in a long time. The, 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 I mean, I mean, this is what we have law and courts for. They cannot allow sure. somebody to come in, sign an agreement. Twitter, from our knowledge, from everything that we've read and seen, has lived up to their side of the of the uh, agreement. They've gotten the data. We know whenever the data is talked back and forth about bots and what's real and what's not. And we've talked about that on this show, but. This is ridiculous the way that I think that he's disparaged this company. Uh, regardless of uh, Twitter, can't, we know Twitter can't get their business model quite right yet, but it is a very valuable company. And I want to see them pay the full, whatever, $54.20 per share. He should be paying. If he's not going to pay, he needs to pay the difference to the shareholders. And that, and that, and that yeah. lawsuit needs to then go directly back to the shareholders who own that stock at that time. In my opinion, that's right. Ridiculous. What do you think? Yeah. So I think the truth is a little bit on both sides uh, of this equation, at, because what I believe is that they're playing with a little bit of house money right now, and uh, the you know so they they know they're going to get that billion bucks, um, so they can have you know they can go through discovery, and I think the reason they want to go through discovery is the optics of it. Because what that will show, I think, is is that there were other people interested in purchasing Twitter, and that basically he, you know, really damaged their ability to perhaps transact, which makes the company look a little more attractive, which could then tee them up to, you know, so even if they just go through discovery and then settle, I think they, you know, I, I think they, uh, you know, they're they're better off. So I think they go a little bit into this, but then ultimately settle. You're probably right about the settlement. I hope it's more than a billion dollars. I would. Oh, like I do to too. At least I do too. I'd like to see yeah. it at least three to five. But I would, if I'm Twitter, I'm taking this all the way. I know that there's a lot. Of, I've been reading some of these articles here that says, "Oh, Twitter doesn't want to go through a uh, lengthened uh, court decision or discovery." And that's, that's. I'm calling it. I. I do. I think they want to go every bit of the way, and I think their employees will support that because of the frustration that we've heard and people not liking what Elon did. And the, I mean, right from the start, he was disparaging Twitter, even though he signed an agreement that said he wouldn't. So he's literally, literally taking down the price of the stock. And I know we were in a downtrend from a stock market perspective to start, but 
he didn't do it any favors. And I think that the clearest difference is you can see you can actually see the difference between the $44 billion that was offered, that they accepted, that they signed. It was a full it was a legal agreement. Both sides agreed to the terms. And now you're looking at instead of $44 billion, you're looking at $28 billion. So $16 billion. That's what I want paid. It's amazing. It would be it would be incredible if that was the judgment. I, I think they'll have a hard time getting to that number because he they won't be able to prove that they're even worth that, I think. Well, they're worth right now $28 billion. Right. All I'm doing, I'm just it's just simple, it's simple math. Somebody agreed to pay 40, 44. Yeah. And and now it's worth 28. And you could say a lot of the difference in the lowering of the price is because of what Elon did, and they will try to prove that in court. And so that's the that's that's how much you could say Elon hurt the company. Right. I want but that's the hard part, right? The, the hard part is the proving that part, that that his actions took it down to 28. You know, you could, you might be, you know, you might argue that it took it from 44 to 39 or something, but, you know, or whatever. But, you know, I think that's that'll be the part where they won't want to protract this because a protracted argument in court about the actual worth of Twitter means that they will have to also go through a lot of discovery as well. And that's when, you know, the ugly side of what's actually going on within the company would come out. And I don't think I don't think the board wants to go there because that makes them look ugly in the marketplace. I think that there's more concern on Elon's discovery side. He's got oh totally. He, he has oh, a absolutely. lot more yeah. Oh, yeah. things Goodness in the gracious. closet that that he doesn't want out than Twitter, in my opinion. Oh, sure. And I think and Twitter knows it. So have at yes, hundred percent. I, I, I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see this go the distance. Go the distance. Yeah. We're going the distance. Ease his pain. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it happen. So, and and last thing I'll just say. All right. This this thing about a very powerful billionaire, whatever, being able to do whatever they want on these platforms and disparage companies and disparage people. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. If you, well, that'll be the, that'll be the interesting thing is whether they kick him off or not. I mean, they, 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 you know, a lot of people have said they should have already kicked him off. I don't want him to do that because I think that will be more of a backlash. I'll think that'd be more of the media saying, Oh my God, there's a conspiracy, whatever. And we don't need that. He could stay on the platform. I just want him to pay. And he's yeah. got the money. So if he, does, true. he wants this little thing to go away, he could pay his $15, 16000000000 billion and go away. And then he could talk about Twitter all he wants because the more he talks about Twitter, it's actually it actually helps Twitter from his perspective. He has his audience. So fine. Pay yeah, the money true. and then you can have your you can have your whatever 100 million followers and 60 million bots that he thinks are following him or how many yeah. fake accounts follow him that he you know, didn't know about ahead of time that says was a really serious issue even though we talked about the fact that if you look at the numbers and like the active users and revenue per active users that looks really good that twitter looks like a better business if you remove all the bots and fake accounts oh yeah absolutely just like I any think, media company yeah no no there's no doubt about that i mean and I think, you know, the prospects for Twitter look good. You know, I think uh, from what we've talked about on this show with the development of the new features and what they're looking at, you know, as, assuming they can sort out their talent challenges, which, you know, every day you hear about more and more people that, you know, I mean, they just hired a new communications lead. Um, and so, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I think, I think it's going to get ugly here in the next month. And then, and then I think we'll 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 see what happens toward the end of the summer. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to our next story here, which uh, is an interesting acquisition, uh, and it comes courtesy of Axios, which is Spotify, uh, which of course we've talked a lot about on this show before. Will acquire music trivia game Hurdle, uh, which <laughs> taking advantage of certainly the the name uh, idea. Uh, 
basically is a game where you guess music within a few seconds, much like Wordle is to words, Hurdle is to music. Spotify said Tuesday it will acquire Hurdle, uh, a daily music trivia game that tasks players with identifying that song based on its opening notes. The deal builds on Spotify's efforts to make it easier to discover interactivity with music on its platform. We see Hurdle as more than a trivia game, said Spotify in a statement. It's a tool for music discovery. Hurdle is inspired by the popular word-guessing game Wordle, which was acquired by the New York Times in 2022. Like Wordle, Hurdle is only available once daily to players on its website, and it gives users six tries to guess a popular song based on its opening notes. The more guesses a user uses, the more of a song's notes are exposed. For existing Hurdle players, the look and the feel of the game will not change with the acquisition, and the game will remain free to play for everybody with the deal. Players will now be able to listen to the full song on Spotify at the end of the game. And so this is an interesting acquisition. Um, we're going to pair it, this, with another story, and this coming from Bloomberg, uh, and the most Bloombergy of all Bloombergy uh, titles here. Spotify's billion-dollar bet on podcasting has yet to play off. Joe Rogan, Bill Simmons, and Call Her Daddy have not fixed the business. The article opens up by saying Don Ostroff rose to the top of the TV industry in the 2000s by developing deliciously addictive shows such as America's Next Top Model and Gossip Girl. Uh, it goes on to explain you know, her resume. Uh, basically, uh, then she took the job as Spotify's chief content officer in 2018 to make a new kind of hit. Uh, they started in on podcasting as one of those things. And basically, the article goes on to show about how podcasting revenue has been climbing uh, over the last few years and climbing very quickly. But uh, the idea of st this, this is where it gets very Bloombergy and just ridiculous. Uh, basically, comparing Spot Spotify's stock price, saying that podcasting hasn't started to really become a functional business which I'm not sure how you draw those two things together, but in any event, what do you think about this sort of juxtaposition of they just acquired Hurdle for music discovery and Bloomberg says they haven't figured out the podcasting business yet? What do you think? I think this Bloomberg article is terrible. I think, yeah, it's, a exactly. yeah. I think it's a disservice to all other Bloomberg articles. Yeah. because they're, they're, they're saying that Spotify's not the business model is not working because the stock price has slipped 72 percent well you know what right. so is every other tech stock not called apple right every other one is that roku my favorite stock i think is down 80 percent yeah so it's just if you look at in this article itself they show the monthly active users that is on a wonderful uptrend yeah i've never seen anything so beautiful and have they quite figured out the monetization strategy for podcasts no but I think they figured Has out. Has anybody? <laughs> no. But I. But they figured Other out. Other than idea Joe Rogan. That, well, but but I think it's clear that music is a lost leader for them to get podcast listeners, and the podcast listenership is still growing. They're still getting paid subscribers. They have what the the according to the Bloombergy article, they have 420 million users and 182 million paid subscribers. That's incredible. This is a very new company still. Yeah. To to have that many uh paid subscribers. So anyways, I think Spotify is doing just fine. They're going to figure it all out. I think that um they're making big big bets on content similar to the way Netflix did. It worked out for Netflix. I think it's going to work out for uh Spotify. I think regarding the hurdle play, hurdle turtle wordle play, I think that <laughs> this I think that it's brilliant. Because they bought a heck of a lot of traffic for probably a minimal price, and they completely are integrating it in because once they play the Hurdle song of the day or whatever, then everyone will be able to listen to that song for free that day or whatever they do. I think it's some kind of uh, integration that way, which is great. Yep. It's so fantastic, it's all yeah. about music discovery. So yep. this is really, if you think that Spotify, one of the Spotify's core missions is music discovery, for their users, this is core to their business model, That's and it right. brings them it brings them a lot of traffic, and they're able to monetize that traffic almost immediately. Yep. So yeah, well it sounds said. pretty similar to what New York Times did with, with Wordle. That's exactly right. It's it's yeah. it's uh, that's exactly right, and 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 you said it very well, which is. 
for Spotify, this is a no brainer. And by the way, the technology here for hurdle is, you know, is not the, not the play. The technology is easy. They could have easily duplicated and built this. So this acquisition was all about buying a brand and the press release, um, and the traffic, you know, that it had already started to build up. So this is, you know, this is totally a quick, easy win for Spotify, uh, you know, we'll see if Hurdle remains sort of a popular thing, uh, and maybe they can keep it there. Maybe they don't. But either way, it was a sort of no lose situation for I'm sure for them to to acquire to to acquire Hurdle. And as far as their long term prospects go, yeah, that you know, you can just watch them following the Netflix template here, right? I mean, you you just you can see them. You know, they've now divided out. The business, you know, putting someone in charge of original content. They have someone now in charge of licensed content. Um, I would be shocked if at some point they did get into the original music business and start doing, make an acquisition in the uh, live music space. Or, well, don't you think they'll sign? You know, yeah, don't you think they'll sign artists? Absolutely, yes. 100% yes. they're going to start signing artists. They're going to yes. start putting in original music. They're going to get into the live music business. They are going to become a full, fully operational media company that does its own original content and monetizes that in, in multiple ways. It's, I mean, you can just watch it happen. And so I think Spotify is definitely on the right track um, and will be just fine. They're only the, the only question with Spotify is, will they run out of time? You know, it's just, it's literally, can they, can they go fast enough, but not so fast that they run out of gas, but fast enough to, to get, you know, to get to critical mass. You know, this was always the question with Amazon, right? I can remember back in 2006, 2007, 2008, when Amazon was running its, you know, eighth or ninth year of being unprofitable and Wall Street was losing its patience basically saying, can Amazon, you know, there were articles, tons of articles, like, can Amazon ever be profitable? And Bezos and, and company would constantly say, be patient. We, we're, we're purposely running, you know, unprofitable right now because we're building, we're building, we're building. And now look at where they are, right? And, and, and it was just their ability to run the marathon as fast as they possibly could and outpace the others that gave them the critical mass to be able to do that. That's the only thing I think that's in Spotify's way right now of becoming the audio version of Netflix, which is, you know, can they, you know, can they keep going at this pace? I, I, I think they, they're fine with time, especially with what's happening with the downturn in the market. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. They, they bought, I mean, the downturn, the great thing about the downturn in the market for your Apples and your Amazons and your Spotify, you just don't have the amount of competition. You've oh, got less venture right. funding coming in. Yeah. You've got less people taking more. You don't have the amount of people taking risks anymore. They're waiting for things to clear out a little bit. That gives Spotify plenty of time and runway. They've got plenty of cash. They can always do a secondary stock offering if they need to. I, I think that this model is going to work out fantastic for them. And yeah. I don't think it stops at just music. I think music is just their first foray. I think their first mission is to be the Netflix of music. But I think it's going to go beyond that into multimedia. I don't know. You're what probably that means. right. Yeah, gaming. They, they could will. get into gaming. They could get into a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's like first dominate where you know they're pretty close to being the dominant player. Yeah. Uh, in on the the audio side, and then they're going to to stretch out and kind of exactly exactly what they're going to actually. I think they're following Amazon's model more than Netflix model because Amazon was you know they spent three years just selling books and then they added DVDs right. <laughs> And they didn't. Now they've got everything. And that happened really quickly. So yeah, let Spotify I, dominate this audio area, and then when they've got that done, then they can start making bets in other areas. Yeah, I maybe I I I still like the 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 Netflix template here against original versus licensed content. But but I hear what you're saying that they're definitely going to get into other media, right? Whether that's streaming video or whether it's live. Live is the most obvious to me. Right, what you know, that they could go out and buy, uh, you know, a uh, what's the you know, not, it's not it used to be Clear Channel, but it's not Clear Channel anymore. But it, it's the the big live events company that does concerts and all that sort of oh, thing. Like, they could, oh, you're talking about like in a Westwood One or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's buy, right. That's right. By yeah, actually, so you, by radio, you're saying by radio stations because because they have the deals done. 
because right. they have the syndication deals already done. Yeah, that's, that's a right. possibility. I, I mean, that's that's not too dissimilar than what SiriusXM has been doing as well. Right. So that's right. I, I ab- absolutely. So we'll we'll see. I got no worries about Spotify, and kudos to them for the deal. And the last thing I would say is, you, you from a technology standpoint, Spotify could have duplicated this fairly easily in two seconds. But there's no, uh, we don't, we do not know if they could have duplicated any kind of success from Hurdle. They had smart people doing the math and says just makes more sense to buy them. Done. Oh sure, absolutely. I mean, and that's we talk about that all the time with any content media purchase, right? Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, that event out there, uh, Salesforce could have duplicated that or that online property or whatever. But you know what? That's t- it's it's riskier for us to take two to three years to build that out. Yeah, well, than to just go th- th- that's a really important point, I think, because that's a great takeaway for the audience as well. Which is, you know, we often talk about how these, you know, and and some of the pushback you and I get when we talk about this with smaller businesses or even you know micro businesses, right? Um, is oh acquisition that sounds like a big company thing, and it's not for sure. But the analysis that you do is, you know, what you have to take into account is not just uh, how long it would take you to duplicate the thing, because it might not take you very long at all to duplicate the thing. A perfect example of this is when you and I talked about the acquisition of intelligent content, the event, right, back in... 2012, 2013, something like that? 2014, I think. 2014. 13, 14. Yeah. So we looked at that and said, sure, you could launch an event tomorrow that talks about governance and technology and strategy, content strategy and all those kinds of things and and all of that. But the benefit to acquiring uh, an organization that that we did was built-in audience, already built-in, you know, trust with that brand already built in, uh, you know, ability to understand where to go market that thing and an existing audience that you're buying, right? So you're not buying the ability to duplicate the thing. You are, in fact, you have the already the ability to do the thing. You, you, all you're buying is the, you know, the sort of decoration around, you know, the packaging more than anything else and the audience that goes along with that packaging. And that, makes the acquisition sort of a no-brainer then it just comes down to cost like price what you know what are you mm-hmm. how are you pricing those those audiences so if you look at someone who's a blogger or you know even a solopreneur and you go hey would I want to acquire something don't think of it in terms of gosh you know how long would it take me on a weekend to duplicate that website or that community or that blog or whatever and start <clears throat> launching content it probably wouldn't take you long at all think about the upside of acquiring the existing audience and the existing, you know, uh, brand and the trust that that brand has. And it may not be, you know, that, that it may not be that expensive and it may save you, you know, uh, not only save you time to get, you know, that trust in that audience, but it, it saves you, uh, it, it gives you an immediate leg up because you, people see you as the source, right? It's like, you know, hurdle had it hurdle had the brand, they could have literally just bought it for the domain. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. that's that's it's it's a it, it's an e- it can be an easy thing to do. Well, you're taking choice out as well. I mean, if they so if Spotify creates something new, Hurdle is still there. They're competing right. against Hurdle. When I used to go out, this when I started selling ads, you know, back in 2000 for print magazines, you know, we used to go. We had basically five or six competitive books. Well, there was a conversation when the market got really good in 01, 01 before it really went down in 01, late 01 and 02. We're like, okay, well, if we're going in and we're competing against five to six different books, what if we take out the fifth and sixth competitor? Just take them out. Yeah. Just buy them yeah. and integrate and it just in. Just remove them from want, the marketplace. Yeah. But just remove them from the marketplace. Yeah. And we're already at an advantage. That alone is an advantage. Regardless of if you have any, if you have any assets out of that at all, it's a bonus. All I'm doing is I'm going in now for a sales meeting and I don't have to and I they have to make a decision between three or four instead of five and six. That's much better for me as a salesperson. Sure. So anyways. Great point. Yeah, yeah. Great point. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of acquisitions and is it dead yet? 
our next story is interesting because it keeps coming up. Uh, the headline here is Clubhouse isn't dead yet. Um, and uh, I added the, it's only mostly dead. And there's, I, I totally want to make a video out of this. I went and looked at the, uh, the Princess Bride um, scene of it's only, you know, it, it's only mostly dead. Mm-hmm. There is a whole thing there that we could do if you did the subtitles the right way about, you know, it, that Clubhouse, uh, you know, isn't dead yet. You know, it's only mostly dead. And, you know, does it, does it still, you know, to blathe? <laughs> anyway, I'll get off on a exactly. Princess Bride rant. Yeah, to, I love it. Bla- my, um, you know, it's funny. I think my, my initial MySpace uh, login was to blave. <laughs> was it really? That's, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my that's, god! Oh, I that's love so that great. My, my, uh, my first a my AOL chat. Remember AOL chat? Um, because the, well, AOL yeah, chat was I mean, sort that's... of the chat you had back in the day for you know for instant messaging. Um, my AOL chat name was Dread Pirate RR. Oh my god! Yeah, and we ended up getting together and doing this show. Isn't that crazy? Amazing? Isn't that amazing? Anyway, let's right. talk about how I'm how I'm right on Clubhouse. Here we go. Yeah, completely wrong. Uh, Clubhouse isn't dead. This coming from the information. And by the way, if you work for the information, fix your shit. Uh, it's it, God. The login process for those who are subscribers that aren't subscribers, or did you get a? It's like it is. It, I'm a subscriber. And I'm struggling to log in because it the, it doesn't recognize me, but I log in and then it still doesn't recognize me as a subscriber because some cookie is, I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's like just these publishers are like, they're losing me because they're trying to like, I guess, protect stuff so much. It's like, it's not, you know, it's 2022 folks, get it, get it together. Anyway. Clubhouse isn't dead yet, says the information. Uh, This uh, article opens up by saying maybe the eulogies for Clubhouse were a bit premature. Sure, the social audio app star has dimmed since it became a Silicon Valley sensation during the first phase of the pandemic when millions of people were stuck at home, bored out of their minds. By some estimates, usage of the app is down more than 70% from its peak in February 2021. And popular creators who once hosted live interactive discussions on the platform are bailing on it. Even the luminaries from Andreessen Horowitz, the venture firm that backed Clubhouse and then flooded its chat rooms with its partners to expound on crypto and other topics, have become far less active personalities on the app. But, says the article, Clubhouse is still alive and kicking. It raised boatloads of cash, around $310 million, according to PitchBook, and more importantly, it doesn't seem to have blown the money on the kind of extravagant expending spree that landed so many other tech startups in hot water. Clubhouse has uh, under 100 employees and at least so far has avoided the kind of deep layoffs that some companies have had to resort to recently. Like Peloton, and the article goes on, and I would read more to you, but I have to join now to read the whole story, and I've joined, and I can't read the whole story, so I'm very frustrated about that. But in any event, uh, the article does continue to talk about the idea that it's not quite dead yet, you know, because it could it could last quite a while longer with the money that it has, the cash that it yeah. has. So it's got a, a long-ish runway to get successful. So you and I have debated this topic. I would love to get your perspective on Clubhouse. Funny enough, I'll just note this, and then I want to totally hear your take. Over the last two weeks, <clears throat> for whatever reason, I'm now getting notifications on Clubhouse again. Like, I'm getting, like... So and so is live and talking about you know crypto in the whatever room, and it's it's interesting. I don't know what whether my settings got changed or whatever, but it's it's I'm starting to see more Clubhouse notifications trying to get me to come in, and of course I haven't because it's ridiculously stupid. Well, maybe it wasn't working because you were on AOL chat. There it is on your phone there it is. or something like there that. There you go. Maybe, that, maybe that's the problem. Look, there you I want to I. <laughs> I've I've been fighting uh, with you for a long time that I thought Clubhouse was going to make it. That and I never said that they were worth their four point two billion dollar valuation, but I yeah but I thought that there was something there. You talked about it being just a feature, and still we don't know where the truth is quite yet. But again, yes, like we I do. would share, yes, I would share, yes, I would share do. again what I just <laughs> talked about with Spotify. Patience matters. If you have focus and patience, you can do a lot of things with that. Spotify is going to be just fine. I think that if Clubhouse focus on, focuses on their core audience, 
So they had this big drop. So they, let's say the bubble burst and it goes down to something where they should have been. And we talked about the other app. What's the hot app right now? Be Real. That's catching on. They're just they're kind of staying under the radar. They're not doing big promotions. They didn't get the big run up, and they're just growing a little bit every week. And now it's becoming fairly popular. Well, Clubhouse skipped most of that, and they just ballooned up in you know whatever it was a year ago, early what is it, December twenty twenty or early twenty twenty one. It just went yeah. crazy, and then dropped back down. Now we go to a point where we should have been in the first place, and now the work can get done. I I would I know that there are some people that I know some people that are doing very well on Clubhouse and they have regular shows and they have regular audiences. And if Clubhouse can keep those people happy and they have a solution that and I don't I mean t- Twitter Spaces should be should have been all over this but hasn't. Right. And, well that and that's one of the the rationale that this article uses is that you know hey twitter spaces hasn't taken off yet uh though so clubhouse has you know time and my response to that is maybe there's a reason that twitter spaces hasn't taken off because social audio isn't a thing um you know it it it, it's I don't see social audio sort of the classic what we would you know what clubhouse wanted to be because you know, I've heard some smart people talk about social audio is really just radio, right? It's, you know, the the real aspect of social audio is just live podcasting. And that's just, you know, it's ostensibly radio, you know, where you have an audience and someone addressing that audience in some way in a show, not unlike this, if we were live, right? And that becomes sort of more what social audio becomes instead of this sort of chat room that is audio. Um you know, I mean, how how much is really going on, you know, in Discord communities with the audio, you know, abilities, right? That social audio capability in Discord. How much is really going on in Twitter spaces? There's some interesting things, no doubt. There's some interesting things going on in Twitter spaces that, you know, that are, you know, that are that are real. It's a feature. It's a feature of a social media network. This audio is a fe- it, it, it will be a feature of Spotify. It will be a feature of Discord. It will be a feature of Twitter. It'll be a feature of it, Facebook in some ways. It'll be a feature of LinkedIn. It'll be a feature of just about any, you, you, but you have to have more than just that. But, so well, unless okay. Clubhouse I, comes out with something more, I don't see how it survives past whatever its burn rate, you know, whatever its monthly burn rate now is, you know, $310 million sounds like a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. $310 million is not a lot of money with 100 employees and no revenue. What if you just said it's not social audio, it's live radio that does have some Q&A time, which yeah. is basically the same thing, right? So who? Ca- I don't yeah. care if you call it social audio or whatever but if they have let's say the the bigger one of the big issues the clubhouse had from the beginning was not consistent shows and you had a lot of talent that didn't know what they were doing and these free-for-all commentaries and nobody knew what was going on it's like that that social audio doesn't make sense but if you have regular programming you have regular talent you sign deals with people that want to do regular shows that are starting to build up an audience you've built up a radio network Totally. That somebody like a Spotify I might want to agree with that. That is so we can go back in the archives of this old marketing and we can talk about when Clubhouse first launched and I bitched and moaned about how the business model of Clubhouse from the very beginning should be exactly what you just said. It should have been exclusive. You if you were a Clubhouse performer, you could build your audience there, you could build, you know, you could build a show there. It should be you know, the whole thing of it should be red carpet, velvet ropes. You know, you get in, you get subscribed, you can you get access to the coolest people who have the coolest shows. And that's where that, you know, it was a thing to have a clubhouse account, right? That would have been interesting. That would have been real. It would have been much smaller than it is now than, and not $4 billion, but it would have been really interesting. And I think that... It, Arguably, they could still do that. That's they could I'm still saying. try and build that's, sort of a Spotify for about. live performers. But it's about acquiring talent, and I don't see them doing that at all. But the point is, you just said you just made my point for me. 
there is still time to do the original model. They Maybe. got caught. They Maybe. got caught in the bubble. Well, it's okay. You, it's not over just because it went up to some crazy valuation, and now you don't think it's worth that much. Nothing changed about the business model. They just well, don't figure out see, who they want to be. Yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, but unfortunately, from I don't experience, think you do. I yeah. don't think you do. <laughs> I don't think you're listening. I think you're hearing me. I don't think uh, you're listening. Oh dear. Oh my. What are you? My do you mom? hear the words? Uh, <laughs> They're coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm uh, Chris. Um, what's his name? Chris. Chris. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Chris. I wanted to say Chris Rock, but that's not right. Uh, no, it's Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. That was such. Yeah. I loved. I love that movie. That was. That Do you was understand weird. the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> um. Anyway, I, I think. Uh, yeah. It, I, it's fine. I do we, hear. We can you, agree. But- we can agree to disagree. We will come back to this. Clubhouse is only mostly dead. We don't yes. know the answer yet. There is no winner between the Robert and Joe argument at this point. No, of course not. Uh, I, I, I will, I will, uh, I will fully okay. couch to that. We will it come back. The, yeah, we will yes. definitely come back to this. You know, and and I'm sure, like everything, like you know. <sighs> Apple buying Disney. This will go on for years, and you'll refuse to, you know. That's not over yet. Basically, capitulate. Ah, yeah, exactly. I'm not, giving, exactly. I'm not exactly. giving up on that one. We are now running on seven or eight years for that, you know, thing. Oh, but, but it, it, there's a time for market capitulation, my friend, and you have reached it. <laughs> well, when. Uh, I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah. Everyone yeah. listening to this knows. That I was right. Not everyone. That it should have. Not everyone. That Apple had an opportunity. It didn't take it. Yes. And there were discussions on this. But I'm just going to leave it at that because you should. We need to you move should, on. You should. You should we just leave it at on. that. Every the listeners know. Remember, you're just here. The listeners <laughs> know. All right, ladies, gentlemen, they, them, all of you out there. We are going to talk a little bit now about our rants and raves. And it is a time of the show when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant, a little bit of a rave on something that makes us feel like we got an Emmy Award nomination or something that makes us feel like we're the cast of Yellowstone and snubbed out of the competition. Um, I have a couple of raves. Do you want to go first or shall I go first? Yeah, no, I, I'm happy to go first. I know, I know okay. we didn't have time to cover it, but I am going to put in the show notes. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the net, and we didn't, we talked about the Netflix uh, possibility of opening its own theme park, which is not really a thing, but it was a couple articles that people were, were talking about. Morning Brew covered it. I just think it's interesting about the additional content experiences that come from having these great shows and brands, if you will. So that's something that uh, our listeners can take a look at if you haven't already seen it. I do want to give Mr. Rose, you some kudos. This mm-hmm. just came across Twitter just as I'm talking about it. Cause I wasn't listening to you. I was checking my feed and uh, apparently SEM rush, our friends at SEM rush came out with the top 10 content marketing influencers and experts. Oh, and dear. you, my friend are number two. Oh, who am I behind? Well, Anne Hanley's number one, but I'm saying I'm All I'm right. number six, so I I just want to be like you someday. I <laughs> is it's I, you are you are my number two. I see. So congratulations on, <laughs> <laughs> on making on making the list. Who Great list, does by the number way. two work for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of great people on this list that we know: Andy Crestedina, Ardeth Albi, Neil Schaefer, Michael Brenner. But yeah, Anne Hanley's number one. You're number two, and I'm number six. I have no idea how they did this. I just saw the pretty infographic. I'm sure the you methodology little, is flawed. You have a red, you have a reddish or an orange flame, and I have a purple flame. Meaning Ooh. I'm not as hot as you are, apparently. Okay. We're going to leave right. that there. Congratulations to you, Mr. I didn't Rose. even know this, so thank look, you for breaking that news to me. You. I had no yes. idea. The other thing I wanted to bring up was just um, I've been watching, of course, I talk about uh, Scott Galloway all the time and, and what he's doing with his podcast network, and he created this whole thing called Prof G Media. It's just interesting as when we were seeing uh, podcast networks grow up, shoot, 10 years ago, 
and you would have companies that would launch all these different podcasts, right? They would create a whole separate feed and you had to subscribe. And it's interesting to see what um, Prof G is doing where they are now having different, like every day is a different thing and they're creating different brands for each one. So they've got like a, somebody reading No Mercy, No Malice, which is a whole separate podcast in the Prof G feed. You've got Prof G's regular podcast on Thursday. You've got Office Hours on Wednesday. They're do- now launching one on Mondays, it's called Capital Markets or something like that. But it's an interesting strategy, and I just wanted to talk about it a little bit as a, a possibility instead of th- saying, oh, I should launch a new podcast, maybe you launch a podcast within your own current feed. Instead of, like, if we were yeah. going to launch a new podcast, we I don't know if we'd launch a new feed. We would launch something on Mondays, and we'd have a Monday show that was called something, and we'd have this old marketing that's on Friday. It's I a, don't know. It's a- yeah, no, it's a great point. And we we actually talked about this a few years ago when uh, we started noticing that new shows, what they would do is they would put the first few episodes on the old feed as well as the new feed. Yeah. And so, and then they would, you know, slowly sort of say, hey, listen, go subscribe, go subscribe, go subscribe before they killed off the old feed. I think this is an even smarter idea, honestly, which is looking at your feed more as your that's your network, right? You know, that's your, you know, you're building a network. So you put all the shows on one feed and, you know, there's obviously a, probably a saturation point, which you don't want to reach. But I think, you know, what they're doing is a really interesting experiment there because putting in, you know, they had two shows a week on the Prof G, you know, thing. Um, and then they're adding, like you said, they're adding a third and perhaps a fourth, which, you know, there's fresh content. You've got a built-in audience, and you can start to see which one starts to resonate. And you can, That's, you know, you can start to pull them and push them, and you know, alter your alter your programming. Right? It's like literally, you have a now. What you've got is an audience with, you know, time, and you're just trying to figure out how to fill the time slots in the most optimal way. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see, and you're seeing some of that, and you've had you've seen some of this, and it makes it easier for the well. consumer too. It does because you can look because I can look at my feed on Prop G and I can say, oh well, here I want to I want to listen to the Thursday show and I want to listen to the Capital Markets. I don't want Office Hours, whatever. And you could choose, yeah, which one you want. It's all in the same feed, and I don't have another feed cluttering it up. And you could also look at the same thing with a newsletter, an email newsletter, and you just have a new an issue that focuses on this instead of that, but it's the same newsletter. I don't know. It's just something to keep in mind. Anyways, yeah. you have some yeah. you have some raves. That you want to? I really discuss. like that. I, I really I want to put some more thought into that because that's really that's really interesting. That I've been thinking that, about that it recently. Uh, I've been thinking we I've been look, thinking about doing a different kind of a show uh, for a podcast. And I but I don't want to do the for your I content. Inc, yeah, whole, for, yeah, I don't want to launch yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. So I just do a different episode on a different day. Why not? We should have so. Elon Musk do a show on this network. But Elon Musk loves us because he hasn't blocked us yet. So that's right. It doesn't have to follow us. He just has to not block us. <laughs> he doesn't follow me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, I do have. I do have two uh, very quick raves here. Um, the first is there's news this week around Netflix. Uh, in addition to them launching theme parks, they have chosen to partner with Microsoft on their ad-supported subscription plan. Um, and there's a lot of publications that are like, what, what are you talking about? Microsoft, you know, you know, as opposed to a traditional, uh, ad tech platform or an ad, you know, advertising, uh, platform to partner with in terms of sales and, you know, basically a, a complete part, you know, a, a partnership to, to, to handle all of the ad sales and infrastructure for serving up ads on the network uh, platform. And the reason I want to rave about this is because, uh, you know, just I've been I've been watching as a, you know, quasi light investor sort of analyst in this space. I've been following Microsoft pretty closely for the last uh, the last few years. And it's just remarkable what they're doing. Um, You know, the the way that Satya Nadella is is, you know, really navigating that company is just, it's just remarkable um, in terms of what they've been able to do. 
and the different businesses that they're now building and 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 very quietly which is which is why I'm raving so they're just they're just doing the what I always call the quiet work which is just 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 do the work and they've built this entire thing they've made tons of acquisitions some of them are newsworthy some of them not and they've built um, this incredible advertising platform ad sales search advertising uh, ad tech ad serving uh, all for you know ad measurement um, all for television online offline and it's just an amazing infrastructure so when I saw this it was like oh finally they're you know they they're they've landed the big client and what I want to link to additionally I'll link to the obvious press release from Netflix saying that they've chosen Microsoft for their infrastructure but also link to an older uh, back in May uh, a uh, it's a Digiday article where they talked about some of the moves that they've been making um, in terms of you know what uh, they've been doing with you know with all of their acquisitions um, and how Microsoft has sort of structured all of their deals with regard to advertising and ad tech and becoming sort of a, a a real power player in that in that marketplace. And this Netflix deal is just obviously the flagship kind of deal that they that they need to make this happen. So I just think it's a really it's you know it's it's a great example of a strategy of a quiet strategy just paying off. So I just I really like it as a marketing nice. and strategy guy. So I just wanted to mention it. Um, the other thing that I'll rave about very very quickly is this week, of course, the James Webb Telescope got out uh, and and started sending back pictures, and they're just I mean. In a, in a time in the world where we are so divided and so awful to each other and the decisions from our governments that are coming down are just awful and the the news every day seems to be worse um, and it's just it's just seems like an icky time to be human this was just such a refreshing and wonderful reminder of our humanity and what we're capable of doing when we put our minds to it and to see some of those pictures coming back, uh, uh, you know, with the evolution of galaxies and the, you know, and all of the things that we're starting to be able to see with this new telescope, quite honestly, they were kind of spiritual in, in, in you know, in how, how amazing these photographs are. And they just remind us about how petty and, and, and small our disagreements can be when the universe is so big and so overwhelmingly uh, beautiful and our ability to do amazing things as humans is only limited by our ability to work together and it's just it's just such a reminder of that and so kudos to NASA kudos to the content that's coming out and I just I'm so excited by it to be able to look at it and we'll put a link to the to some of the the NASA stuff in the show notes but it's just amazing it, it I couldn't believe the pictures it's yeah. truly you're right and i love when everyone was sharing them and there was no <laughs> no underlying political commentary right they're just it's just awe-inspiring yeah and how we it really we're, is. We're, we're so small and we should take advantage of um you know focusing on how we can be a positive force instead yep. of some of these little things that Elon Musk is focusing on. I'll just leave it right there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. What do you got coming up? What's uh, what's going on this weekend? Well, uh, I'm, tomorrow I am delivering the final manuscript for Epic Content Marketing. Thanks to you as well, Mr. Rose. You are author of uh, The Business Case for Content Marketing, one of the chapters. Right. So it's so Fantastic. happy to have you part of the book. Absolutely. Fun stuff. So Brian Piper and I put that thing to bed. We'll send it to McGraw-Hill tomorrow. I'm just doing one final review. You know how it is. We're getting all the images and everything. And uh, I guess it's supposed to come out in January of 2023. So, okay. We will we will see how that goes, but uh, I'm looking forward to. We're, it's beautiful weather here in Cleveland, Ohio, right now, so we're just trying to enjoy every minute we can outside. 
So how about you, sir? You're probably having similar beautiful weather. In oh, lovely, no, Los no, Angeles. we're having no? July. Yeah, we're having typical mid-July, August weather here in, in Southern California, which is hot and very, very dry. We could totally use some rain, um, but uh, but that's unlikely given the, the month and time of year that it is here. But um, yeah, but trying to get outside and, you know, busy with client work, which is, you know, a blessing right now um, and working on some stuff. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a little thing. Um, you know, we're doing a joint thing with our communities, right? You and Tilt and me and Experience Advisors. Uh, we're gonna give away uh, a bunch of uh, Tilt Coin and a bunch of Idea Coin. Oh, we didn't even we didn't even talk about that. You're yeah, right. but for, for you basically give us a review and uh, let us know about it, and then obviously let us know that you gave us a review and. Um, we'll we'll float you both both you know some some tilt coin and some idea coin and um, yeah the experienceadvisors.io is going well we're we're on to class three now so uh, continuing to have some fun there our first live event is tomorrow uh, with the community oh, right. and very good yeah so we're doing a little zoom event on the future of brands um, which is going to be fun and your 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 good buddy and co-author Brian Piper is going to be one of the little mini keynotes in that, so that'll be fun. Excellent, um, that's awesome. Yeah, so we um, it it's it, all things are good in the summer here at uh, Casa de Rose. Yeah, I would just say uh, if you are going to leave a review, we absolutely want to send you Tilt Coin and Idea Coin. Uh, maybe yeah. the easiest thing, just go to thisoldmarketing.site, and you can. Hit the contact form and send us. Hey, I did the review. Here's the link. Whatever, and and Robert and I'll get right back to you and and send you that that coveted tilt yeah, idea right. coin. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little crypto winter right now, but uh, hopefully a little thing to just um, have some fun with for sure. Hey, great time, great great time to figure out tokens. Seriously, yeah, perfect time really, right now. Yeah, nobody's really, paying attention to it. This is what we want. So there you go. Exactly right. All right. Well, that is it for this show. I want to uh, throw a big thanks out to uh, idea uh, contributors, uh, Joe Bagonis, um, great story ideas, James Gardner, uh, of course, Heath Dingwell, as always, um, giving us great story ideas via Twitter. And of course, Dennis Shaw. Uh, big shout out to Dennis. Um, and thank you for those wonderful story ideas. Do hashtag us up on Twitter, won't you, with the story ideas that you have. We really want those Twitter ideas. And, of course, reviews of the podcast. We could use a few more reviews if you're out there. Good reviews. Don't, you know, if you're going to yell at us, don't yell at us in an email. Don't yell at us on a review. Um, and also, in the meantime, if you want to go over to thisoldmarketing.site, you can get all the goodness of the podcast show notes, the links, dive into any of the other 331 episodes. Just get over there, thisoldmarketing.site. And until we see each other next week, just remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.